Hey everyone, welcome to the end of the world's probably science. <laughs> I am citizen 13890412. You authorized to say that? <laughs> previously known as Matt Kershon, sat opposite Andy Wood. Yep, yep, I already forgot my number, but that's how much I'm protesting the new regime. I'm just going to trigger the silent alarm right now. Yeah. <laughs> it's already been triggered by our words and deeds, <laughs> our thoughts. You had a few uh, disruptive thoughts. Oh, yeah, I should have. Uh, well, I saw that you managed to pry off your brain scanner, but mine, <laughs> the lock on mine was pretty tight, so I, I, mine's still on. Yeah, we're in, uh, we're in end times, maybe. Maybe not. I mean, I don't know. I think I'm falling more and more into the camp of not optimism, but like, uh, it's it's a it's a giant ship that moves slowly in either direction, so hopefully it won't get turned too far in the next four years. But uh, my fear, my fear, and we should probably loop our guest in. Oh yes, this yes, well. yeah, yeah. Uh, very funny comedian. Someone I, first, I I can't remember whether I first met you on the, which side of the Atlantic because you you straddle the ocean like <laughs> oh, a thanks. comedy behemoth. Yes, I have a very long lifespan. <laughs> <laughs> um, I met you. I just simply remember I met you at the Burbank Airport coming back from Bridgetown. I think that is exactly right. Oh. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That is exactly right. Uh, Toby Moshamu. Did I, I get, pronounce Morishanu. your name right? Morishanu. Oh, fuck. I can never get your name right. <laughs> I like the Shamu like I was descended from Wales. Yeah. <laughs> he stole the idea of splashing from Gallagher. I don't know if you know yeah. that, but we had Gallagher on. He told us that, yeah. I've known you for enough years to manage to get that closer than I did. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I have met people like who I've literally known for a decade who when it comes down to spelling my name or something, like yeah. they just look at me with fear and panic in their eyes and <laughs> inevitably maul it. Wait, um, is your Twitter handle still, didn't you get Toby hard to spell for a while as a Twitter handle? That's or? my Gmail. Oh, okay, okay. Oh, I should have said my email address. <laughs> it's on my website anyway. Okay. Oh, yeah. Um, but like, uh, yeah, I, 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 my my Twitter handle is just Toby Morishane, which is a terrible decision. Yeah, no, I don't know. Well, I mean, if you know how to spell it, it's easy, but um, otherwise... Just go to tobythecomic.com, and I got links there. Well, that's great. You got that. <laughs> yeah. That's good. Um, plus side, it, it might be the end of the world, but it's also a supermoon. Yeah. Yeah. It is a supermoon. Well, the it's BBC- just gradually getting closer to us as it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> prepares to crash into us. We, we've captured the moon, and we're trying... <laughs> we're going to land a moon on... We gotta, we're gonna we'll be the first President Trump has promised to, to land the moon land on Earth. a moon on the <laughs> yeah. Earth and return it safely. Um... So, Toby, I've been meaning to have you on for a long time, and I'm a big fan of your comedy and also of the fact that you are one of the people who I most trust for uh, a researched take on what's happening in the world. Because, like, you seem oh, like you, you apply, you have a background in, you said you have a computer science and psychology degree, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, two separate ones. Oh, okay. Wow. Not Damn. that I'm trying to be like, same time in four years? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Damn. Okay. Um, and I think it's safe to say you kind of apply a, a scientific mindset to to politics. Right? I try to, yeah. I mean, or my projecting as much as you, you can. I- <laughs> no, no, no. I, I agree. I try to like take statistics with a grain of salt and understand where they come from, and also, um, you know, apply my knowledge of psychology to how people are interpreting the news and stuff yeah. like that. You, you were one of the few people who I mean, I really was blindsided. People on the podcast heard me say like, everyone can stop complaining. About Trump, he's going to lose in the biggest landslide. <laughs> yep, I you can, you can tune wrong. into numerous episodes and make you can make a supercut of Andy's confident uh, predictions. But you I had think. a lengthy uh, essay of how you thought things might go down, and it's sticking to it so far. But the end is pretty scary. So I'm, uh, I'm trying to remember what I wrote. Oh, you were just know. like, well, actually, no, you said you thought it was going to end in more of a contested election, and then I think you were just saying like he's he's just so prone oh, yeah. to personal. He's easy to provoke, and, mm-hmm. and if somebody angers him, uh, he has a little too much. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I'm terrified. <laughs> like, I, I go be- between complacency and just terror, uh, honestly. Um, and yeah, I think I said something like, I guess I got the turnout prediction right. I thought that Trump co- Trump w- would win because progressives wouldn't, or liberals wouldn't turn out, which they didn't in swing states. Yeah. Although they did nationally. Um, and what was considered a swing state turns out to be incorrect oh, yeah. Yeah, yes that's true too um yeah uh oof, it's been rough i i'm really worried uh about a number of things but one is just the actually the lack of 
science that's coming from this is going to be coming from this administration. Yeah. Well, this is a, some, cons- a conspiracy theorist about global warming. He's a conspiracy theorist about vaccines. And I don't know that. Is he really? Yes. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Is yeah. that a re- is that a thing? He's like gone with whatever he thinks people whatever he thinks people want to hear at the time. Or has um, he always I'll been find the quote, but it was it's he's, he's tweeted, he's a, tweeted a few times. Ti- yeah, and yeah. It, it's going back a few years as well. Uh, yeah. I'll just put Trump vaccines. I think he he basically tweeted that um, they cause autism and that oh, you know God. massive inoculations know. Okay. are are just you know the reason behind the rise of autism. And it, I mean, it's just like it's not just like a one off tweet that you can misinterpret. It's a whole series. Yeah. Um, and so I really worry about the impact of someone who genuinely believes that being in charge of appointing the Surgeon General, being in charge of appointing. Oh, well, he's already the appointed head of the EPA, uh, which is already his. Um, I don't know if he's appointed the head of the EPA, but certainly. He's appointed to the transition team, the person who will decide the head of the EPA, mm-hmm. and it's a noted uh, climate den- climate change denier. Yeah. Um, Isn't that, yeah, the crazy thing, I mean, the, the crazy, as if there's one crazy thing, but the whole drain the swamp thing slash hire the inhabitants of the swamp as soon as you get <laughs> <Yeah>. elected. <laughs> Not to mention his children. I can't believe that isn't getting more play. He's hiring his children for the transition team. Well, and, and like before the election, he went like, uh, he was asked, like, are you going to put your money in a blind, your business ventures in a blind trust? And he went, yep, I'm going to appoint it to my children. And they went, well, that's, that's not, not a blind, a blind trust because <laughs> mm-hmm. they're directly connected. And he went, ah, but... and now he's actually got them on the transition team as well. It's such a conflict of interest. Yeah. But I mean, he, what he's relying on is that people don't understand or don't care or they have such a partisan interpretation of everything that, you know, it, he really like, I mean, his whole modus operandi, like his whole life has just been, I'm going to do what I want. And let people figure it out because it's easier to, um, you know, do what I want and have people struggle to stop me yeah. than to do what's not in my interest in the first place. Right. Um, here is here's, There's a series of tweets he sent out over time about this, but the first one dating back from March 2004 was, um, healthy young child goes to doctor, gets pumped with massive shots of many vaccines, doesn't feel good and changes. Autism. Many such cases. That's uh, a tweet. That's a tweet. Uh, and then, no more massive injections. Tiny children are not horses. One vaccine at a time over time. And then I'm being proved right about massive vaccinations. The doctors lie to save our children in the future. I'm not against vaccinations for your children. I'm against them in one massive dose. Spread them over, out over a period of time and autism will drop. Um, so many people who have children with autism have thanked me. Amazing response. They know be- far better than Fudge that reports. This is, a, this is a thing worth discussing because that's... Like the mm. the the um, vaccine deniers, like many sort of pseudoscientists, or like they're very good at pivoting. They often pivot. We were discussing it right, a couple yeah. of weeks ago with Moshe. The way the um, similar to doomsday predictors, where as soon like, as twenty twelve comes and goes, then they find some yeah, they're like oh why. that they read this. Passage. Yeah, I didn't quite mean this. It means this. So initially, they were like, "Well, the MMR vaccine by itself causes autism," and they went, "Well, then it's the." the mercury, the thermicerol, I believe it is, or whatever, it's, however it's pronounced. And then people are like, well, there isn't mercury in the vaccines anymore anyway. <laughs> and uh, and the MMR has been shown not to. And then they're like, well, it's the combination of the vaccines mm-hmm. all in one go. Um, so just to make it clear on this podcast, um, for what it's worth, for what any weight that we carry, which is negligible at best, um, that has been fully studied as well and debunked. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the question is, well, what's the harm in having spreading them out? And the answer is, um, it leaves kids unprotected from certain diseases for longer periods of time. Mm-hmm. It makes it far less likely that they will get all their shots. Like they might drop out at some right, point through the schedule. Um, and many people don't have lives and arrangements where they're able to do it. So it ends up with a net drop in vaccination rates. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the whole point of vaccines is herd immunity. It's not the individual rate. It's the mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. collective herd immunity. And that decreases for a number of reasons. If you have spread out vaccines, which have no proven health benefit over the one-off. Yeah. Right. Uh, so there's my little, my little vaccine rant for the day. Do you, but Toby, do you feel optimistic that maybe I'm again, I'm not actually optimistic. I'm just like, this is the world we're in. I'm trying to find a way to be okay with it and trying to find mm-hmm. like a best case scenario to root for because this person has no experience in politics or in public service at all. Like, is it possible? Do you think it's possible? We're going to see a different 
person from the candidate now that he doesn't have to win and he can because maybe he just wants to please people i don't know what he actually wants he doesn't want to be president i don't think like i don't think he wants no, the day-to-day he wanted job. to be king he wanted to be he, he doesn't <laughs> right. want to be he doesn't want to lead he doesn't want to rule yeah he, he well he doesn't want to govern rather he wants to have parades and be fated yeah, he I said he be... wants to keep having rallies even yeah. though he already won he... <laughs> yeah i mean I, I could see him just wanting to use it as a bully pulpit you know yeah. and uh he spouts his opinion and people follow him and you know maybe he puts his portrait on some buildings <laughs> or right, some, right. some stupid shit like that but at the same time and then you know hands over the reins to basically gop suits like rance Priebus or pence or whatever but at the same time uh, I'm nervous for a few reasons. One is that he's going to have access to a lot of state secrets right. and to a lot of command responsibility. That at the end of the day, he's going to have to say the words, and I don't trust him to, A, say the right words, and yeah. B, I mean, some of these political appointees are just GOP suits who might be competent, and some of them are just loyalists who are incompetent. You know, Steve Bannon is, you know, a horrendous conspiracy theorist and, you know, just a peddler of misinformation with Breitbart. And he's now the chief strategist. He's going to have his children and, you know, various uh, campaign loyalists in in positions of power. I'm worried about, you know, I'm, I'm worried about them giving information to Russia, frankly. I'm worried about them uh, leaking it to people like Alex Jones, who's like someone... Trump really respects and is friends with and all that shit. And so I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm really, I'm internet. Like if it was just domestically, I wouldn't be as worried. I'm also worried a little bit that we might not see free and fair elections in the future because I don't trust him not to try to press his advantage and kind of rig future elections. In what way could that happen, though, do you really think? Well, I think they could accelerate voter, uh, you know, voter ID but, measures, which have been used to suppress the vote. And um, I don't know. I just He's shown a tendency to retaliate against the press in, in the past. I wouldn't be surprised if he, you know, freezes out critical press from, from access to the White House and as such, you know, kind of the, the mainstream media, as it were, or, um, kind of becomes more aligned with his vision. I don't know. I, I, just, I, I think there's also like four more ways the world could end than there were, than there were this time last week. There's I just like, feel like that doomsday clock has just gotten ahead a minute or two. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, I just want to believe that like he, I just wish I knew what his actual main motivator is. I mean, I guess it's ego, yeah. but that ego is also stoked by having more people. Love. I almost wonder if he didn't see how much he was hated until the election and if all the protests are kind of making it because he deleted that tweet saying the protesters were unfair because he realized wait i'm saying the first amendment is wrong and then Mm -hmm. he said i'm glad we're all out there yeah i saw that follow-up tweet that yeah there are at least people possibly reining him in on that front but he yeah it's it's ego and deep insecurity like it's you're you're a psych student like it's his dad was a monster his brother, his older brother, became an alcoholic and drank himself to death before he was 40, mm-hmm. and he became that. Like, it's like the two ways you can go yeah. with a monstrous father, uh. of like, n- not whatever whatever va- various diagnoses people have internet diagnosed him with. I yeah. mean, it's it's always dicey to diagnose people you don't know, and, you know, but at the same time, I had a psychology major. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I do feel like, he feels like... If not a compulsive liar, he just reminds me, honestly, of the swindlers and scammers I have known in my life. Yeah. Um, you, I mean, you, and you see that in his history with everything from Trump University to Trump Institute to, you know, his um, the condo rentals that he had. And he just like he will tell people whatever he wants in any given moment and kind of sucks them into his version of reality. And then he feels no obligation to follow through with it. And they get stuck holding the check at the end of the day. Right. One way or the other. Yeah, like independent of the fact that he's not qualified and is probably going to do a bad job. Like the the actual fact that he got elected, like what what lessons do you take away from that? Like what does that say about the electorate or about I don't know, election about media right now? I, what do you what do you th- if you had to sum it, I know you can't sum it up in one reason, but like if you had to give your theory on why he won the way he won, what would it be? Well, I think 
it, this is a case where everyone's going to blame their pet cause and their pet right. reason that they want to blame. People who blame everything on racism and sexism are going to blame racism and sexism. People who blame everything on the left not having open dialogue will blame that too. People blame the left for ignoring the white working class will ignore that. People who blame the DNC for not, um, you know, because they perceive corruption or that they rigged it against Bernie are going to blame the DNC, which they are. Um, and, you know, people who think Hillary's cool are probably going to blame the Comey letter. And I think there's some truth to all of those. Right. Um, and I do think it is an element of, uh, you know, after a, a big football game, somehow the winner did everything right and the loser did everything wrong. You know, the Trump campaign did a billion things wrong. Yeah. Uh, and if... You know, I think the Comey letter, honestly, I think that could have made or break it. He was, she was ahead like seven points and then went down to like one while voting was still. Yeah. Uh, yeah 40 and million, it was close enough. I mean, she still like by 40 million, million votes, votes yeah. were cast before the refutation came out. Yeah. And even that refutation, there's pos- there's an argument that that harmed her because that just put Reminded, it right. Yeah. That just put just Hillary Clinton emails back in the headline again two days before Election Day. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean. I do think that it's very possible that if that letter doesn't get yeah. sense, that she yeah. wins by four points and everyone's like, see, the Republican Party shot itself in the foot and it's done. And is there any future to the Republican Party? It's possible we're having that conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah if, if like, I think the stats that are starting to come out, like if one in a hundred GOP votes, like if one in a hundred Trump votes went to Hillary, yeah, then she would have won with, with a landslide. Like that's how small the percentages are either way. Right. Um, well, probably depends on the states that yeah, but like a, but, in. In the right but there's a general like a general across the board swing yeah of one percent is enough yeah i guess that'd be a swing of two percent um yeah but, but the, um the thing that i kept coming back to on the election night and i was thinking of like you whenever you post something you always have extensive citations of sources and yeah like the stats say like i can understand an authoritarian like him coming into power in a time when we're in just like dire straits as a country mm-hmm. but by most like measurable statistics we're living in the best time in the history of human civilization right yeah. like violent crime is down as a slight uptick year on year but like overall way down yeah unemployment is down i know there's like different ways of measuring that and that's mm-hmm. debatable there's like shittier jobs but uh the stock market is up even this i looked up the percentage of americans right people in america who are illegal immigrants in the last eight years has gone down from like 3.9 to 3.5 so I'm like, how are all these things adding up to an extremely angry, things are awful? And then I was like, well, in the last eight years, what has changed? Here's my pet topic. I know it's just my opinion, but like, since 2008, uh, we were still in like the waiting days of MySpace. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. the, the media landscape has completely changed. And media isn't even, everyone thinks media is to blame because they wanted to do a certain thing. Like media is agnostic to everything except for getting your eyeballs, I think. Yeah. And it's just learning how best to show you what you want to see. And that's not going to help either side if everybody's always being fed only whether they're true or not. And then there's tons of like fake Facebook articles yeah. that keep getting proliferated. And well, and even the real articles. Could, could, but we Facebook's algorithm is designed to show you things you're going to like. Yeah, it wants you, you to stay on Facebook like. as So it long just as further focuses yeah. it. It further focuses your bubble. Like it, yeah. Um, I do agree with that, and I think there is a lot of truth to that. And I, I do also, in my job now, do social media marketing. And okay. <laughs> it, is, it is disappointing, but also um, insightful to realize that it is very hard to target moderates. It is very hard to yeah, target yeah. like a general cross-section of normal people. It's very easy to target people who already like Breitbart, people who already like Drudge Report. Yeah. And they share the shit out of stuff that they well, believe. We should. And um, oh, I'm just going to toss one more thing, yeah, yeah. which is that one, the big driver of shares is anger. That's probably the biggest driver. Yeah. Even ahead of just agreeing with something and it being positive. It's like stuff that gets angry. Um people angry gets shared so when you're dividing people into different groups when you're feeding them stuff that makes them angry when you're telling them that you're the only true news source and don't trust the big bad media and literally everyone across the political spectrum believes this or is being told this then and it's for a completely selfish reason which is keep reading me because i'm not the big bad media you know so it's uh 
I, I think that's what's fueling a lot of resentment. That's what's fueling a lot of pe- people's distrust and stuff like the employment numbers and stuff like that, as well as the fact that, you know, I mean, some of those numbers reflect the society as a whole and don't necessarily reflect every community. Yeah. Um, um, well, here's, here's a connected story that came out this week. And I'll sort of give you a little paraphrase of it. But uh, this is the news of the millennium, said the story on worldpoliticus.com. Hillary Clinton will be indicted in 2017 for crimes related to her email scandal. Your prayers have been an- answered. That was shared over 140,000 times. And numerous other stories like that all came out of the town of Velas in Macedonia. Which, so, you know how, like, different scams seem to be localized to different places? Like, everyone's got their own... Nigeria scams. Ni- Nigeria like does, those, yeah, uh, Nigeria yeah. has the, the the prince scam yeah. going, uh, Russia's got its own scams. Uh, India, apparently, is now the the focus of the um, webcam jack-off scam. I didn't know, yeah, until you told me that. Ah. Uh, which is, I'm like... I'm just disappointed those jobs are outsourced to India now. Totally, right? <laughs> so we need bigger trade agreements. The, the way that works, in case anyone's wondering, is... Guy the person gets, whose name rhymes with Blatt version happens to be. No, I'm just <laughs> well, a, f- a former, a former friend, like a guest of the show, a former guest of the show. Wait, did we he, did we he talk na- about it on the? I don't think or? he did, so we won't okay. name who it is. So you've got a one in two hundred chance of guessing it roughly. Uh, but this, it got, gets talking to someone online through some channel or another. It progresses, gets a bit raunchier, ends up suggesting a webcam chat, uh, ends up getting dick in hand going for it and then webcam check finishes and person gets uh, a message going with screenshots and video and says if you don't send this money to this place uh western union transfer me this money this is getting sent to all your facebook contacts wow um which his response which i think is the correct response is just to go Hey everyone, this happened to me. Uh, like, fuck, am I giving them any money? But you might be about to see my dick, and for that, I apologize. I would advise you not to open any messages. <laughs> also, he was lucky enough to have friends. He he posted on Facebook and then saw. I got a response from somebody who is somehow affiliated, affiliated with Anonymous, or has some you oh, okay know, has some pro level skills, and they were like, "Don't worry, I'll, we'll take care of this." Like as soon as it's up, it'll be down. And he said only one person that he knows ever saw the video. They did post it. Like okay. he. Yeah, they did post it, but it was gone within uh, 30 seconds or something. But uh, still, that's but, shitty, yeah. But that comes out of India, and it turns out Macedonia is is the focus of fake news. There's a whole cottage industry going there. I don't know if cottage industry somehow comes across racist when I'm talking about a small town in... I don't, I don't even know exactly what that term means, but I don't think it's ever the, racist. I, former Yugoslavia. Yeah. But um, yeah, they've just realized they run at least 140... U.S. politics websites, which have American-sounding domain names like worldpoliticus.com, trumpvision365.com, U.S. conservative today, donaldtrumpnews.co, usadailypolitics.com, publish aggressively pro-Trump content aimed at conservatives and Trump supporters. Uh, They don't and not, are, not not true. None of them are. They're just like twists just on twists on it. Aggregations. I think but it's they, just it's 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 pure clickbait and it's just pure click porn basically. Yeah, I think it's. A- of stuff that they just copy wholesale off of other like fringe websites like you know the dredges of the world yeah. or even worse um and stuff from legit straight up fake nude sites like you those know what? like those those quote-unquote satire, satire sites that are just about, it's right. just a lie yeah, yeah, you know yeah. uh we we've talked about yeah, those on we, the we, show before that like infuriating oh totally but like, I, it's satire no it's just an untruth it's just a flat-out <laughs> yeah. untruth every lie isn't a joke right mm. but uh, I, I worry about the future for that because like how if we don't have some kind of i'm not advocating for this but like a governmental agency that's how is the future of media not just this you know, well, it's disappointing because it's also, especially when you know, even presidential candidates and the Republican Party for some time, even before it, I've just been delegitimizing the real media. Um, and not, I'm not saying the real media is perfect, like right, you right, know, right. CNN's biased, like you'll and see they them, want the ratings like, from having Trump. They want yeah. they want to talk about Trump, whether they're for or against it, because talking about Trump was getting. I think viewers. it yeah. suited it was, the media to have to have a close race, to have equivalency, and this yeah. general problem, like mm. the media. The media dialogue has been for the last thirty years point counterpoint. Like yeah. it, it, you have to have the op, which right, is part of the yeah. reason we've talked about this on the show before. How vaccines and global warming, which we'll get onto in a second, because that's another big scary thing about the Trump candidacy. Yeah. Um, how it gets propagated is even reputable media sources will 
think, well, if there's any kind of controversy about this, we should have a counterpoint. We're like, fuck no. It's, you yeah. don't, if you're having a health, if you're having a health debate about like how best to deal with the health, like the health of your citizens, you don't have like a public health specialist and then a, a wizard. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, a guy who thinks he's a wizard and has his own ideas on how to cure mm. diseases. But for some reason... Teach the controversy, ex- Matt. Teach the controversy. Yeah, it's completely acceptable to have uh, someone who represents the fringe of the fringe of political... of scientific thought as if that's an equally valid viewpoint. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's a tricky thing because it's also like sometimes people believe wacky shit in high proportions and if they don't see their viewpoint at least acknowledged, then they're thinking this is a conspiracy or, right. you know, you're not like you risk the just preaching to the choir and they just go and seek out alternate news sources that are worse, like, you know, Breitbart or whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, that is one of the problems. Another problem with the media is that it's just really focused on scandal and the personalities of each candidate. Right. And it has not focused at all on the issues. There's a, I think it's like a, the Thailand report or something like that. There's some guy who basically watches every nightly news broadcast, every single one and tabulates what they're talking about. Is that Paul Goebel? Paul Goebel? It's (laughs) King of TV. No, it's T Y something. Uh, but you could Google it. I'm sure with the right keywords and find out, but basically they, um, he, he published the results. And for this election cycle, between the three major networks combined and each of their nightly newscast, they've talked about, all policy issues for a combined total of about 20 minutes. <laughs> 20 minutes. That includes everything from guns to trade to crime to terrorism to, to Obamacare to the deficit to taxation. 20 minutes between three networks. Yeah, yeah. And that's compared with you know hundreds of minutes for Hillary's emails, hundreds of minutes for Donald Trump and whatever his scandal of the day is. And as a result, this election's really become a referendum on personality of Donald Trump versus Hillary Clinton, which is really disappointing because it has far-reaching policy consequences. And then I kind of wonder if we have, if we've been, we people who are like been vocally anti-Trump the whole time have been shooting ourselves in the foot because we've also talked about how people who believe things like that vaccines cause autism, the Mm. more evidence you give them, the more they hunker down behind like studies, psychological yeah. studies have shown they, they hunker down behind their beliefs even more. We think if we keep shoving these things, in people's faces, mm-hmm. it's going to change minds where I, I think it just ended up being that like the, the left was just seen as elitist and smug. And then mm-hmm. everyone else was casting sort of a protest. I don't think everyone, I think everyone, yes, there are probably, of course there are racists that love Donald Trump, but you know, Charles Manson loved the Beatles. I don't think every Beatles fan was a mm-hmm. fucking murder cult leader. Well, let's, yeah. let's but, put no, this to but, our listener. Go, go, what were you going to say? I'm just saying like, I think that it was not because of his racism and homophobia, xenophobia, but in spite of it, because mm-hmm. he was addressing the thing that was their issue and we can't wrap our heads around someone else's priorities not being ours. I'm not defending anybody who voted for him. I'm just saying, I get that it was a protest vote because they felt ignored and they felt like the other side was, was like this condescending elitist well well let's before we continue being condescending and elitist because <laughs> yeah. th- we don't normally do politics episodes and i know or politics heavy episodes and i know when we have done in the past some people have enjoyed and some people have criticized it uh but also i really love and respect our listeners yeah like, yeah me too. even uh like when they have a disagreement with us it's normally really cool and civil and we get great emails so if anyone out there like no judgment no repercussions if anyone out there did support trump or did vote for trump uh let us know why like pl- like genuinely no mm-hmm. no repercussions yeah, we're not gonna yeah, read wanna... we, we're not gonna read out your message on the air unless you want us to uh we're certainly not gonna sort of like tell you fuck you um what were, what was your reason what was what was important to you uh were there things that were important to you that outweighed the negatives or do you not see the negatives as negatives in the same way we do what what were your reasons? Yeah, I'm curious. Cause I, I do think like this version of liberalism is is failing a lot of people and is alienating. I, and again, I'm I'm liberal. I'm left of center, but I do wonder if we're doing more harm than good now because like liberalism theoretically is about taking care of uh, everybody, and like there's nobody who's more maligned than poor rural Americans or the butt mm-hmm. of every joke. No one mm-hmm. actually is, you know what I mean? Like it's, yeah. that's the one topic no one's ever going to get kicked off a comedy stage for is like making fun of rednecks. Yeah, and yeah. They were finally like, you know, it was, 
it was a pro it was a fuck you <laughs> vote i think i mean what uh, i think a lot of everything but a lot of times it was i mean i think there's a lot of factors that went to it uh i think a big factor was crazy clinton conspiracies you know yeah it's like those really come up a lot when i talk to trump voters um you know i think sexism is part of it you know um like i mean i do find like a I've talked to maybe five or six Trump voters, you know, I'm friends with a few of them. But one thing that I have heard a couple of times is stuff like, uh, you know, oh, those whores who tried to bring them down with their sex oh. tapes are just like, you're like, oh, dude, man. I mean, in any case, anytime you're like denying that a dozen people who accuse right. him of sexual assault and the way that he describes himself committing sexual assault, yeah. who have corroborated accounts. Anytime you're just like, oh, no, I don't believe any of them. That has to be sexism, right? Yeah. So but how, do you, also, how, do, you, how do you win those sexist voters over there? Because you, <laughs> like, yeah. you need to get them back on the right side somehow. Uh, flip side, by the way, <laughs> while we are criticizing both sides, fuck you, anyone who brings up Melania's nude photos as a reason to go like, oh, this is what's going to be in the White House. Fuck you, you fucking hypocrites. She posed nude as a model for some stuff in her youth, and now you're slut-shaming her to get at him. Fuck you. Fuck you. Does that really happen? I had oh, like totally. I, I heard people a lot a lot of backlash to that, but I didn't I don't have any friends. Oh no, there was a meme that was just... being shared that was like um it was there there was one meme that was being shared or like a sort of really composed it was like four photos in a row and I'm, I'm trying to remember exactly who it was I think it was Jackie Kennedy mm. uh, I can't remember who the next one was then it was Michelle Obama all like wearing like their sort of Sunday best yeah uh, like uh, and then and then a naked picture of Melania and That's like weird. there was a side by side that made sense where they talked about remember Michelle Obama got some flack for just even showing her full arms like having sleeveless outfits uh-huh. so that's got to be out the door now like, yeah as long as those people aren't also as long as those people are also yeah equally and if, incensed, if you are if you are yeah. showing the hypocrisy of the right like i think it is fair to show the hypocrisy of the religious right to champion trump where they you go know, like he's appeared in playboy videos and he has this lifestyle right, and, right, yeah. and melania is posed naked and stuff but like none of those things are things that i think are bad things <laughs> that's like, not I, the reason he's the no, no i <laughs> yeah. don't think any of those things are themselves bad i just think it's the hypocrisy of of yeah, yeah. of holding the viewpoint that those things are bad while making the person who did those things your champion that's the only thing yeah. that i i would agree with but i don't think there's anything bad about being in a playboy video or about yeah. posing nude or or having had more than one wife, the way in which he got more than one wife is kind of bad because he was a scumbag to the previous wives. But um, but still, yeah, I I think anyone sort of slut shaming Melania because you don't like her husband, yeah, fuck you. That's yeah, shitty. I agree. Um, oh, uh, while we while we are sort of getting back onto Alita, um, I've got a little quote for you. This isn't Trump, uh, but uh, time for a quick realities check. Despite the hysteria from the political class and the media. Smoking doesn't kill. In fact, two out of every three smokers does not die from a smoking-related illness. <laughs> and nine out of ten smokers do not contract lung cancer. Do you realize what a great way of looking at it? Two out of three don't. Like, that means a third do. A third do. And <laughs> yeah. you're just phrasing it this way. You're like, oh, okay, that sounds like, wait a second. What? You just said that a third of them do. Uh, do you, the glass is two-thirds full. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> do you want to take a guess at who that was? Oh, uh, don't. Is it? Uh, is it our new vice president? Yeah, it is. <laughs> oh. That was that was Mike Pence. In a, oh my god! In an old uh, newspaper column, he also said global warming is a myth, uh, oh. and also he caused an AIDS epidemic or an HIV outbreak rather in um in Indiana by closing clinics. Jesus. Uh, so good on science. I know. I think. Well, at least we're hopefully sticking to the more political side of science. Well, also. While we're talking about science, I'd say polling is a and statistics yeah. What, come yeah. under the purview of our show, yeah. which got it hella wrong. Yeah, they did. Well, I mean, it also depends on what state you're looking at. Some states it was pretty accurate, but uh, a lot of states it, it was not. And I mean, one thing you're seeing here is that there's less investment in polling. Like it used to be kind of that the major networks and stuff like that would yeah. pony up for daily scientific polls. And now they're really not doing that. There's a few polling organizations with different methodologies and Remember, well, uh, like, they're polling less frequently. Well, so 12 years ago, didn't Zogby start to become like everyone was like, oh, they found a new way to do it that was revolutionary in like the 2004 election, I think. Remember that? I don't remember. Zogby yeah. polling. I thought that it was... It rings a bell, but I don't know much about it. But Nate Silver, they he isn't doing any of his own. He's just looking at... He's aggregating data that's already out there. He's not actually... Yeah, he's, he's aggregating it, but then he's like... he's 
basically comparing it to historical data based on you know the economy and the presidential approval rating and great weighting studies differently depending on their age and depending on their and, quality yeah so he's got he's got a whole formula that sort of exactly as toby said like the more in his mind the more accurate and the more the more accurate a poll is likely to be the higher he weights it in his aggregation yeah um but uh but also yeah there are problems of actually getting the people like the way the traditional method of polling people is to call landlines mm-hmm. which yeah, is already incredibly problematic nowadays because a vast major a vast number of the country either doesn't have a landline or rarely uses it yeah, do you guys have landlines i don't have a landline no, I don't. at all I don't have, yeah, yeah. uh and i haven't had one for i i haven't had my own landline since i left university yeah, yeah i think too. it's been like 15 years yeah i like the closest i had i, I guess since I left my parents' house, uh, so I, yeah, I since then I've been hard to landline. find like an under thirty-five person with a landline. I mean, that must be a small percentage yeah. of people. Is that really what what most of these polls are still using? Is landlines? It's a, it depends. Some of them are online surveys. I think some of them do do mobile phones, but I'm not uh, I'm not sure. But yeah, the kind of person. But it's uh, it's much more difficult than yeah, it used to be. People who wouldn't just hang up right away, also. Like, but, yeah, but. yeah. I did I did calling for the DNC. Um, to try to get out the vote. Um, and yeah, I would say we probably, I probably made 10, 10 or more calls that went to voicemail before I got someone who would actually pick up. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, my girlfriend also was like phone banking for mm-hmm. Hillary. And yeah, it, like it's just you call and then you just register as you click on not in is the button that it says on yeah. the thing, but it's just. It might. It was even probably what closer to one in twenty. She actually mm-hmm. spoke to a human. Yeah, I don't answer a number. I don't know. It's yeah. uh, one more sciencey thing that I wanted to talk about. But I mean, we can get off of politics soon. But I, I just worry that this is that part of the reason that the jobs went away that I guess aren't being counted at in the new unemployment statistics or something. Is that mm-hmm. what everyone's saying? Is like even though unemployment's down, it's like people are in part time jobs that are shittier or they aren't even regi- they aren't even trying to find them, so it skews the numbers or something. Well, every metro measure of statistic has pretty much been slowly improving. So, I mean, there is some truth to that. You know, you can't just look at the pure unemployment rate because that doesn't reflect when, you know, people are in part-time jobs at Walmart and they're not happy with them. Yeah, yeah. I think the, the, the probably the best measure um, is the, uh, the uh, good, there's like a, I think, who is it? It's not Rasmussen. But it's one of the polling organizations has a statistic that is the good jobs rate, yeah. which is like people who are working in a job that is 35 or more hours a week, pays a salary, and is not temporary. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's based on the, metri- the the idea that after polling people all over the world, what people really want is a good job. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, other measures are relevant. You know, hey, if you have two part-time jobs... That's a lot better than having no jobs at all. Yeah. If their salary is increasing, that's good too, and that's reflected in median, you know, median wage statistics, which have been improving. The median wage now is, you know, it's not what it it's not what it was in the seventies, surprisingly, adjusting for inflation, but it's not that far off. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's been a long time since it was even close. Um, but uh, yeah. Um, but do you that, think that, that, that tech, tech, technological advances are more to blame than trade deals and? Uh, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and that's un, you can't dial that back, right? No politician can put in place. No, absolutely not. Unless you're going to ban robots from right, coming to this country. But I mean, the U.S. manufacturing output is higher than it's ever been. It's just that we need fewer employees to do it. Right. Right. Um, and, so it's becoming like a winner-take-all economy, and it's going to keep being that. Yeah. Right? Or, I, I mean, as the incentive is, you build bigger and better robots, and the person who builds those bigger and better robots, that's a good job. Right. If you can do that. But uh, there's few of them that are necessary, and um, so yeah, I mean the so the, the bottom line is no matter like like all of these like the jobs that are going overseas. You're talking about NAFTA. You're talking about like a fifteen percent tariff on this or that. Yeah. When you talk about the difference in wages, you're talking about like forty dollars an hour in salary and benefits versus eight. You yeah. know, I mean, it's just no contest. Like, we never had a f- trade deal with Asia. We still sent tons of jobs to Vietnam and China. 
Um, and none of even that eight dollars an hour doesn't compare to zero because you have an iPad working as a cash register. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like none of none of these like incremental measures to change trade deals or um, to bring back jobs that can be done by robots are really going to work. Even if you have, you know, tax incentives or whatever, it's, it's, uh, I mean, you just have to look at the, the cold hard truth of it. And also the fact that like most jobs nowadays are not manufacturing jobs. Why do we want to go back to a thing that's a bygone era? Like it's, it's like buggy whip sales. I just, I don't know. I'm not optimistic. I used to be optimistic that like economies work themselves out as jobs become obsolete, people innovate and develop new things. But like, there's going to come a point when we're so efficient, Mm -hmm. not everyone is needed to do jobs. And then what happens when most of the populace is angry? Are they always just casting fuck you votes every election to someone (laughs) who's just saying, I'm going to do this. It's going to reverse it, knowing that they can't do anything to reverse it. It's just the march of time and technology. Like, yeah, that's what I really worry about now more than what happened right now is this isn't going to get, this is going to get worse before it gets better Mm -hmm. as far as people feeling out of place in the new world. Well, what people are talking about is potentially doing things like shifting the work week down to three days a week as the average work week. Cause I mean, it used to be people standard was 12 hours a day, 14 hours a day. You yeah. know, when you're working, you know, in the coal mines or the farms in the 1900s, um, and, uh, potentially universal basic income is an idea that's getting some traction, which would um, be, that's a good idea. I've heard of that. Yeah. It's like a, not a huge amount. It wouldn't mm-hmm. be enough to like, disincentivize someone who wants to do more like, like yeah. something like twelve thousand dollars a year is what everyone's guaranteed then on yeah. top of that if you want to work you get more money yeah and yeah. The, the thing that people like about that is it's not as much of a people describe welfare sometimes and some of the tax incentives that we have is kind of a poverty trap because once you earn above 20 or twenty five thousand dollars a year all of a sudden you lose these benefits right. like you know your health care or your food stamps or whatever so you're effectively getting taxed at an insanely high rate for every thousand dollars that you earn above the, the the various cutoffs yeah for various incentives so um you know what people like about universal basic income is everyone gets the same it's a simplified thing and then whatever you get on top of that you get and yeah so whoever's running in 2020 make that your platform and maybe <laughs> i don't know <laughs> well the tricky thing is like i'm so i like it in theory but it's also interesting to think like how are the numbers really going to add up when you consider like if you give everyone in America twelve thousand dollars a year, um, I mean that's trillions of dollars. So you're going to have to substantially jack up taxes or something like that oh, yeah, in that order is, to get that money that just in the pool in the first place. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, I how... the flip side is you're paying higher taxes, but you're also getting that check. So yeah, you know. Okay, I know Matt hates that we've talked this long about this. I no, I'm happy to. Okay. Um, but Supermoon tonight, just so you know, I mean, it'll, it'll already have happened by the time this goes out, but uh, I just want to share that the BBC has a story, uh, how to see the biggest Supermoon in almost 70 years. And it turns out you've got to look uh, where the moon is. Oh! Oh, like up! Uh, you yeah. say like more up than down? Uh, it is more up than okay, down. Well, okay. it's sort well, of that's... a little bit across as well, but it's... For the most part, Mostly it's like an up, up, it's an up yeah. head movement. It's a, uh, okay. And uh, I actually did see it. I was just over at Franklin Canyon and I saw it come up, and it looks it's pretty super. It's one of the best moons. I don't want to say it's, yeah. it's a great, it's a great, great moon. It's a very, 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 very good moon. Uh, the moon is currently uh, because of the oval or the the non round orbit that it has. It is uh, approximately thirty thousand miles close to Earth. Uh, at the perigee, which is where it is right now, than the apogee. That's uh, a pretty big swing. I didn't know it had that swing. much of a... Because it it's only about... Um, I used to know this. I know it's about 25 Earths from Earth, or 20 Earths from Earth, right? It's like um, 200,000 miles from Earth. The moon? Uh, yeah, because the Earth I is like 8,000 miles in diameter. And I remembered... Yeah, I want to say the moon's like 200,000 miles away. So 30,000 is a pretty big... I think it's 1.5 like light seconds in white... Wait, it's 186,000 miles a well, second. What was your guess, so Andy? Like 200,000 miles away? I mean, 238,900. Oh, sorry. Uh, I okay. let you guess as well. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. I was going to guess 238,000. <laughs> <laughs> if it has a 30,000 swing, then does that mean right now it's 200,000? I don't know whether that's where it is right now. It's an average. That's the average. Okay. Um. So I guess probably roughly 15,000 either way. So it's like about 30 Earths away from Earth. Uh... And um, yeah, it's currently around fourteen percent bigger and thirty percent brighter 
than a full moon when it's further away from the Earth. Damn, go check it out, guys. Super moon. Um, well, what am I saying? Go check it out. Like, let's get, this is the podcast isn't going to be up in time. <laughs> hey, I got a good, I got a good sort of palate cleanser, non non science. Okay, but there's non- a, a several supermoons this year, so if you miss it this time, there'll be a few yeah. more before the end of the year. Before the, before the, end, of the, before the end of the world. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and also just so you're aware. Um, for, iPhones appear to autocorrect Supermoon to Superman. Nice. Which, if you don't notice it until after you sent the text, can lead to some confusion. <laughs> I've been telling people to look out for the Superman tonight. Is it capitalized like the comic or lowercase like uh, Nietzsche? Uh, I don't know. Was I capitalized it because I think it deserves it, but I, it probably shouldn't. The BBC is not capitalizing Supermoon. Okay. Um, Actually, it's 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 capitalized with Nietzsche either, uh, but as Ubermensch. Yeah. Which um, might actually translate to Beyond Man and not. Uh, I don't know. Okay. Anyway, yeah, go check out the Superman. <laughs> hey, do you want a story about how uh, about the domestication of dogs? Yes, I do. I would love nothing more. And thank you, listeners, for bearing with us in our uh, unpicking of. Hang on. Yeah. Uh, the dog story is there in the document right there for you now oh, on okay. top of the list but um dna clue to how dogs became our friends uh, dogs have been dining on human food scraps since the early days of our domesticate of their domestication it appears uh they developed the ability to digest starchy foods during the farming revolution thousands of years ago according to dna evidence uh, scientists think dogs may have been domesticated from wolves when they came into settlements grounding for foods. Modern dogs can tolerate starch-rich diets, unlike their wolf cousins, which are carnivores. Hmm. Uh, so I guess don't feed wolves uh, french fries. <laughs> like, if you're feeding a wolf a burger, just take the yeah, just take the meat out. They just want the meat patty. They don't want the yeah. bun. Uh, whereas a dog is quite happy with both by the sound it's, of things. Wolves always know the special menu in and out, like how to order stuff. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah the they have it's off. Yeah. They're also just kind of low carb. You know? Yeah, they're Atkins. Atkins wolves. Yeah. Can, can dogs eat bread? I can't remember. I think that might be bad for them as well. But Well, it's like chocolate isn't even bad for them. There's all these oh, really? urban is legends that, about urban legend? I think really, really dark chocolate's bad for dogs, but for the most part, dogs can eat chocolate and they're fine. Interesting. I it's heard just like, something everyone says. Yeah. I heard like raisins are poison to dogs or something like that. I think uh, I remember hearing something about, oh no, I'm thinking there's a Roald Dahl book about pheasant poachers and they feed them raisins and they like choke on them or something. Oh uh, yeah, I don't know. If you have a dog, look it up. But <laughs> I, don't, I don't want yeah. dog blood on my hands if I uh, advance a, does, uh, a wrong theory about this. It does. Theobromine is the thing in chocolate that can. That's also found in tea, cola beverages. Uh, acai. How do you pronounce that fruit? Berries. Acai. That's what I thought. <laughs> I don't know. And does some other foods. Uh, acai, I think. But they're saying so. That's that's the thing that's dangerous to dogs. But it's not. I'm guessing maybe it's only it's in stronger chocolates more than milk chocolate. Yeah. Um, so the uh, the LD50 dose for a human is well over a thousand. For a dog is three hundred. Okay. Uh, so really, and it, for cats, not good for cats either. For cats, it's two hundred. So chocolate can kill humans and dogs. Is what everyone should add to that story when they're saying yeah, chocolate's but at poison a huge for dogs. Doses. Right, right. But it still it's possible. If you've died from chocolate, please write in probably science at gmail.com. <laughs> Remember to mark your envelope. Ghost. Yes. Okay, chocolate so yeah, ghost. wolf cousins uh wolves are carnivores and mo- modern dogs can tolerate starch rich diets. Um a study of DNA extracted from the bones and teeth of ancient dogs at archaeological sites in Europe and Asia suggests their ability to eat starchy foods goes back millennia. Uh, DNA samples from 8,000 to 4,000 years ago show the dog's ability to digest starch is ancient, hailing back to a time when hunter-gatherer societies adopted agriculture. Um, yeah, it, as it was absent in samples coming from hunter-gatherer's context, we linked it to the development of agriculture in early farming society, uh, Dr. Olivier told BBC News. This probably constituted an important selective advantages or advantage for dogs feeding on human leftovers within a farming context. It's a lovely example of parallel evolution of human culture, which is the emergence of agriculture, and the dog genome. So scientists are divided over how dogs became domesticated from wolves, 
Uh, one suggestion is that ancient hunter-gatherers use wolves as hunting companions or guards, gradually training and taming them. But others argue that domestication started later when wolves stole food leftovers from settlements and began to live alongside people. The new research, uh, published in the journal Royal Society Open Science, looked at ancient DNA from dog bones at eight archaeological sites in Europe, in Europe and Turkmenistan, it, added weight, it adds weight to the idea that dogs became domesticated when they crept into human settlements to steal food, gradually evolving the ability to thrive on a human diet. Uh, a previous study found that modern dogs have genes for digesting starches, setting them apart from wolves. And the dog is estimated to have split from the wolf around 15,000 years ago. Exactly how and when humankind's relationship with dogs began is still a matter of debate, and some propose that domestication of dogs may have happened several times during history. So if we fast forward 10,000 years, we've all got cockroaches on leashes in our house. <laughs> yeah. Basically. They stole from us long enough that we tolerated their presence mm-hmm. and decided to tame them. Interesting. Um, there is a... What were you going to say? I, I was just going to mention that it's a similar story where, um, you know, chihuahuas originally evolved to wear small sweaters. Oh, that's okay. true. Yeah, because yeah. I think... Well, Wolves again, rarely it, wear sweaters in the wild. it's that chicken and egg thing because, like, well... It's sort of congruent evolution. Like, at what point did the sweaters, the sweaters shrink down to the size that the chihuahuas <laughs> reached? The sweaters became smaller, but at the same time, the dogs shrank to match that. Um, I just like the idea of exhuming uh, like chihuahua bones, and it's in an oversized sweater. That's why it died. The sweater was too big for the chihuahua until the well, had you synergy. Putting, you try putting a small sweater on a wolf, and it yeah, will choke it's... it. <laughs> it will choke that wolf. What is adorable on a chihuahua is fatal <laughs> to the average wolf. Mm-hmm. But slimming at the same time, like it's a oh. fine line between a muscle sweater. It's adorable. And a t- you know, too tight mm. to breathe sweater. Those wolves um, like they're close to the, the Euro wolves. Like <laughs> There's another dog story and involves Wi-Fi. Oh no, no, it's not. It's not a dog story at all. It's a primate story. Do you want primate? You sound so disappointed. <laughs> I shouldn't be disappointed by monkeys. I like this Wi-Fi story. Yeah, I think it's interesting. Do you want to do it? Sure. Yeah. Uh, brain Wi-Fi reverses leg paralysis in primate first. So an implant that beams instructions out of the brain has been used to restore movement in paralyzed primates for the first time, say scientists. Rhesus monkeys were paralyzed in one leg due to a damaged spinal cord. Um, wait, that wording, mm, there, it's try, that's sort of skirting the issue of whether that was a thing that was inflicted or a they happened to find some. <laughs> yeah. The team at the Swiss Federal Institute of Technology bypassed the injury by sending the instructions straight from the brain to the nerves controlling leg movement. Experts said the technology could be ready for human trials within a decade. Wow. That's pretty awesome. Um, yeah, so obviously spinal cord injuries block the flow of electrical signals from the brain to the rest of the body, resulting in paralysis. And that wound rarely heals, but one potential solution is to use technology to just bypass that injury. So in the study, the chip was uh, a chip was implanted in part of the monkey's brain that controls movement, and its job was to read the spikes of electrical activity that are, that are the instructions for moving the legs and send them to a nearby computer. And that then deciphered the messages and sent instructions to an implant in the monkey's spine to electrically stimulate the appropriate nerves. And that process all takes place in real time, obviously. I gotta say, if if it's me in there, I want a coax cable. I don't want to rely on Wi-Fi. You don't want to do it like yeah, <laughs> I've had my experiences with it before. It's if, not very reliable. If your leg forgets the password, then it's... it's gone out for yeah, a bit, yeah. yeah. And you, you go into a Starbucks and you lose it for a while. Right, right. I, I just I didn't realize they could actually find in, in the spinal column the nerve responsible for movement. I thought they'd have to go more to the site because I thought everybody was like, in the spinal column, it's just a bundle of spaghetti. We don't know what goes to where. And that's part of why we can't ever mm. repair spinal injuries, right? Although, I guess, theoretically, if you put them all together to something, they'll figure out what they're connected to, right? Isn't that how yeah. nerves work, I think? I think so. Um, so, yeah, the, the results published in the journal Nature showed the monkeys regained some control of their paralyzed leg within six days and could walk in a straight line on a treadmill. And Dr. Grégoire Coutin, one of the researchers, said this is the first time that neurotechnology has restored locomotion in primates. And the movement was close to normal for the basic walking pattern, but so far we have not been able to test the ability to steer. I'm not sure how you differentiate between steering and walking, but um, the technology used to stimulate the spinal cord is the same as that used in deep brain stimulation to treat Parkinson's disease, so it would not be a technological leap to do the same tests in patients. Um, But then again, they said the way we walk is different to primates. We're bipedal, and this requires more sophisticated ways to stimulate the muscle. 
said Dr. Quartine. I realize that's more sophisticated. I guess it is more sophisticated, just there's more balance yeah. and more feedback required. Yeah. I mean, I suppose you could picture a limping dog doing better than a limping... Yeah, once humans start limping, they need, like, canes and stuff, right? That's Yeah. Here's a picture of the brain chip as well with the lab model of a monkey brain, just so you can see the size and scale of it. Wow. That's tiny. It's a little computer story for you. Yeah, yeah. it's pretty amazing, especially because... I would think this would almost happen first in humans because you'd put it on some part of the brain that isn't um, sort of uh, reflexive, but some conscious thing where they could instruct you, okay, now think about this yeah. and then it'll go. But if it's actually doing it in a monkey, that must mean they've found the actual area the monkey would be activating to Interesting. To make that leg move. Maybe Pretty it's, cool. Yeah, I mean, well, they can do amazing things with what EKGs isn't. No. Where they I image forget the brain which one is. See what's firing. Is that. Oh, the EKG would be a heart. Th- EEG, right? Oh, yeah. Because EEGs and MRIs. The EEG, is that the one that's like a helmet kind of on your head with electrodes everywhere? Yeah, I yeah. Think? And they have like a three dimensional model of the brain and how it's firing and stuff. That's more that what the MRI does. I, th- I don't oh, think the EEG is quite as granular as. I could be wrong on this. If you guys know yeah. more about EEGs, uh, write in and let us know. I'm no expert. Uh. Hey, here's a story I know nothing about, uh, but it's pretty cool, but it's way out of my... Uh, um, listener tweeted, uh, tweeted at us. Uh, Madison Martinez on Twitter sent us... This could be a big story, I think. Scientists discovered a new type of atomic bond. Mm. Uh, for the first time, physicists have observed a strange molecule called the butterfly Rydberg model a weak pairing of highly excitable atoms that was first predicted back in 2002. This find not only confirms a 14-year-old prediction, it also confirms the existence of a whole new type of atomic bond. Rydberg molecules form when an electron is kicked far from an atom's nucleus, making them super electronically excited. On their own, they're common enough, but back in 2002, a team of researchers from Purdue University predicted that a... Uh, oh, Purdue? Purdue, yeah. Predicted that a Rydberg molecule... Purdue. Purdue, from Purdue University. Purdue University in Indiana. Oh God, this is Trump's America is coming too early, man. I don't <laughs> like this. This is that's an Indiana accent. I don't oh, know what okay. you thought I was doing there. That's an Indiana, Indiana accent. That's true. true. Go with you. <laughs> what? Who's you? In Purdue, uh, predicted <laughs> predicted that a Ryberg molecule could attract and bind to another atom, something that was thought impossible according to our understanding of how atoms bind at the time. They called that hypothetical molecule combination the butterfly Rydberg molecule because of the butterfly-like distribution of the orbiting electrons. Uh, And now, 14 years later, the same team has finally observed a butterfly Rydberg molecule in the lab and in the process has discovered a whole new type of weak atomic bond. This new binding mechanism in which an electron can grab and trap an atom is really new from the point of view of chemistry, explained lead researcher Chris Green. It's a whole new way an atom can be bound by another atom. Rydberg molecules are unique because they can have electrons that are between 10, sorry, 100 to 1,000 times further away from the nucleus than normal. Wow. The team was able to create them for this experiment by cooling rubidium gas to a temperature of 1,000 nanokelvin which is one ten millionth of a degree above absolute zero, then exciting the atoms into a Rydberg state using lasers. The team kept these Rydberg molecules under observation to see if they could indeed attract another atom. They were looking for any changes in the frequency of light the molecules could absorb, which would be a sign that the, an energy binding had occurred. See, I don't know how they can even fire light at it without it absorbing that energy and heating up. Right, right. But yeah. I guess if it's not a if it's not a frequency that it could absorb, then it wouldn't. That makes sense, I guess. I guess when uh, it gets so, to these kinds of like almost absolute zero stuff, like nothing, I, I don't have any kind of intuitive sense of how things work. It's yeah, I mean everything you know is a lie at that point, right? Yeah, um, I wonder. I guess it's it's one of those things like when they build some atom that's bigger than any other atom, but it only exists for a quintillionth of a second. It's like, how relevant is this to nature? Is this just some yeah. weird phenomenon that you can create in a lab? Or is this something that could potentially exist in nature, if, you know, maybe only under some extreme astrophysical circumstances or something? Yeah, what's, or what? the, what's the rule for, like, being able to add something else to the periodic table? Um, Does it have to be able to exist for a certain amount of time before you can say it's a thing? I think or? it just has to exist, period. Period. Yeah, I think um, they just confirm it. They make it and confirm its existence. Mm-hmm. Um, so, 
Eventually, they discover that the distant electrons could indeed help attract and bind with other atoms, just as they had predicted in 2002. This distant electron is like a sheepdog, said Green. Every time it whizzes past another atom, this Ryberg atom adds a little attraction and nudges it towards one spot until it captures and binds the two atoms together. It really is. It's a really clear demonstration that this class of molecules exist. Um, these special Ryberg molecules are substantially larger than normal molecules due to their distantly orbiting electrons. And now that we know they exist, could be used in the development of molecular-scale electronics and machines because they require less energy to move. The main excitement about this work in the atomic and molecular physics community has related to the fact that these huge molecules should exist and be observable, and that their electron density should exhibit amazingly rich quantum mechanical peaks and valleys. We're looking forward to seeing what happens with them now. Man, the most exciting thing with these butterfly Ryberg molecules is like, now this lower back tattoo is is about science. (laughs) It's taken years, but now I can really... (laughs) Re, uh, yeah, I could I could change the whole narrative on on my my body art. See, my all- my my main worry is when you flap that tattoo in China, what? Right, yeah, that's true. You never know what <laughs> consequences could be. Mm. Uh, sorry, what were you gonna say, Toby? I was just gonna say it's great for me because I was really struggling for a Christmas gift this year. Oh, and yeah. I was like, oh, you Ryber know, Ryder Mall. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's kind of a new it's hot the, thing. It's, it's kind of a stocking toy. It's not, uh, yeah, <laughs> have one of those on your desk. Mm-hmm. Talk of the town. Cool stuff. Hey, we have um, we're recording a couple of episodes close to each other. We have a couple of donors to thank. Uh, monthly donation from Zvonimir Kroons has come in. Thank you very much, and a very generous monthly donation from Catherine Lubiak. Uh, they both went to probablyscience.com and clicked on the donate button. Thank you so much for doing that. Well, another- actually, you know what? There's a couple I didn't add. Um, Justin Broad, his came in. Thank you very much for thank the generous you, Justin. monthly donation. All the stories you sent, and uh, James Cox has a very generous monthly donation well thank, thank you, you both of you as well thank you everyone who donates that really helps us out and the other way people help us financially is by shopping on Amazon using our link first uh, it gives you uh, no extra charge but it gives us a kickback and it really helps us out so thank you everyone who does that uh, and also thank you everyone who spreads the word who uh, tweets Facebooks uh, writes nice things about us on the iTunes link under our show or on the uh, specialized link of your pod listener of choice. Thank you very much. We really appreciate all of your help on that front. Yeah, we haven't done this before, but I might as well just like call a couple people who have recently given us an iTunes rating. And then if you do that, we might mention you also. Um, Theo Shine just recently gave us a five-star review, as did uh, Hobcore within the last couple weeks. Thank you, guys. Um, They said that uh, uh, Theo Shine said he hasn't, He's yet to find an episode that doesn't have him laughing out loud all alone in his car during his commute. So oh, let's see if we can could... change that. Yes. <laughs> let's work hard on this one. <laughs> so thank you guys for rating us on iTunes. It does help uh, with getting the word out to other people and getting more listeners. So we appreciate it. Cool. Should we do one more, do you think, with time? Or? We, I, I don't know. We might have to get going. Cause... Toby's meter expires in five minutes, I think. Is that it, true? it does expire pretty soon. <laughs> Maybe we should call I'm sorry. I, I hate to be like... No, 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 no. No. Um, do you have any shows coming up? Um, do you want to let listeners know about? Um, well, I, I run a show, and, and it's also released as a podcast um, called Unsafe Space, which actually, if you're interested in kind of like the post-election stuff, we just did one um, on, you know, kind of where we're going as a country after the election. And the premise of it is people do stand up on controversial political topics, and there's a response from experts and a discussion with the audience. Um, and so this time we had... Uh, you know, a, a former DNC analyst who's now at UCLA and a, um, a professor from Occidental who studies the presidency as well as uh, Tyra Vera, who is a very funny comedian and a gay uh, Latino Trump supporter and Helen Hong, who is uh, was a, a Bernie volunteer for a long time and is also a very funny comic. And uh, so check that out. Unsafe Space Show. It's released as a podcast and we'll have another it's Another a really good show. Coming I up recommend checking about that out. Yeah. yeah. By the way, I have to ask. So, what was that Trump supporter's take on what were the, what were her main issues? Well, his. Um, oh, sorry, I thought, I thought you said what, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. No worries. Um, so his his biggest issue, I think, is kind of political correctness, and he feels like people are. Uh, he doesn't like that social justicey people are kind of like 
you know, he feels they're against free speech and that they're telling him what he should believe and that he isn't offended by all these things that pe- other people are offended by. And he kind of it's a, it seems like more of a cultural vote than anything. Interesting. Um, so the opposite of my theory that like most people are, I mean, you can't draw conclusions from one person, obviously, but um, that I was thinking like people are voting in spite of his social t- takes, you know, that's like, I think a lot of people are, I mean, well, I think it's, it's different because I think you can recognize that what he says is offensive and still, feel like political correctness is too big an issue. Right, right. Um, I think he does have like 58% unfavorability, like even winning, which is amazing for a, a president. Or might Across be, be the country, 58% un- disapproval right now? Something like that. Wow. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, a lot of people are, like you say, voting for him, despite not liking a lot of things he says. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I've heard, a, I've heard a lot of things. We have a, we had another... Um, gay person of color who supports Trump on the show and for him it was basically like he was angry that among other things that he felt like liberals um, were too reluctant to criticize things like Islam and he grew up in a community where people did not assimilate and like some of his friends who grew up in the United States like still spoke with accents and he didn't learn English until he went to school and he thought it was just like ignoring problems in communities because it's not politically correct. And that was kind of his biggest motivator as well as just kind of being a conservative in general. Yeah. 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 Interesting. Yeah. Check out unsafe space and follow Toby, uh, uh Twitter at Toby, the comic at Toby, the comic. Yes. Oh no, sorry. That's wrong. <laughs> sorry. Oh no. Toby, the comic.com. Toby, the comic.com. It has all my links to social but you media. Have your real actual name is your Twitter handle. Uh, yes. Toby mm-hmm. Morshire. Excellent. So, do that check them out you can find us at probably science you can find us individually at matt kershen and at andy t wood yep. also check out jesse case and jesse versus cancer mm-hmm. uh our sister podcast can we call it that I, uh we should ask him before we're allowed to call it that probably <laughs> a brother podcast i don't want to gender this podcast <laughs> sibling, uh, sibling podcast sibling podcast yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, our, our friend and currently away co-host jesse case in his own podcast which is fantastic yep. check that out uh thank you so much for joining us Toby. yeah really appreciate my it. pleasure absolutely and we will see you guys next week bye, bye. vote in the midterms yeah <laughs>